0: Coming to you from New York City, it's the Friars Club podcast. Established in 1904, the Friars Club is the birthplace of the celebrity roast and has counted the likes of Frank Sinatra, Jimmy Fallon, Billy Crystal, Barbara Streisand, and Johnny Carson among its members. So come on in for a drink and some laughs with your host. Joe Sibilia. Hello and welcome to the Friars Club podcast. I'm your host Joe Sibilia, and today I am talking with somebody who I consider to be a longtime friend. She's a singer, actress, entertainer. She's the Friars Club Troberitz and the author of Memories Are Made of This Dean Martin Through His Daughter's Eyes and she is one of Dean Martin's daughters and her name is Dina Martin. Dina, it's such a pleasure to talk to you again and how are you doing?
1: I am doing fantastically. Thank you, Joe. It's so nice to talk to you again this yeah. is great we've we've known each other for many many years and i think this is like our fourth or fifth interview together
0: i think it is would you believe it I, if i told you we met nine years ago this month no i where i'm it, dead serious
1: where did it go <laughs> that's
0: what i ask ago?
1: Oh, my
0: gosh. And you haven't aged a day. Me, I I can't say the same, but you're still lovely as ever, Dina. And uh, (laughs) it's been so great to get to know you over the years, you and your husband, John and Rosario and your whole team. You're uh, you're wonderful people. And uh, it's great now that after all these years, I'm a member of the Friars and you're a member of the Friars. And I should start by asking you, how did you become involved with the Friars initially? And I'm also curious if you know how your father became involved with the Friars Club.
1: Well, you know what, the Friars Club, now I have to tell you, I have, and I'm, I'm holding it right now. it's the gold Friars seal that they gave to my dad in let me look at, let me, let me see. on the back of it, it's absolutely gorgeous. It weighs a ton. It was in 1956, I think.:
0: Oh let
1: wow. Yes, to Dean Martin, a man of the Man of the Hour, the Friars Club. Wow! So and it's beautiful. So I wear it, and in fact, I wore it the night that I became a troubadour. And I think Jerry Lewis was there with me, and um, he was he was looking at it. I think they were both. I think Martin and Lewis were friars at first. They were together with the Friars Club, and how I got involved in it, of course, is because you know my dad was there. But they opened a Friars Club in Beverly Hills. And it was uh down around the corner from uh, you know Jimmy's restaurant near uh Beverly Hills High School. And we used to live, John and I used to live on Spaulding and we would walk over to the Friars Club. And so I went one day, you know, with John, and I'm thinking, I don't have my own Friars Club card. And I we would go in through the uh you know, through the parking, and John would have to pull out his card and we'd we'd get in. And then he said, You know what, Dina, I think you should have your own card. You you're you're a member. So I'm going to get your your own card. So the next day, John went into the meeting with uh, Uncle Milty, Milton Burrow right. and all the guys up there. And um, first of all, we got a signed letter from my dad and, I th- and Frank Sinatra saying that you know I was being sponsored by them. So anyway, so Dad, because you have to have a sponsor to become a member. So John walks in and he says, "Well, I have you know a wonderful sponsors for her." I ended up becoming a friar and getting my, my card and too bad. I have my, my membership card upstairs, but it was, um, it was amazing. The Beverly Hills friars club was beautiful and you'd walk up the stairs and the the stairs were kind of like the ones at the friars club in New York. And, but all of these incredible photographs would be there. And it was of all, you know, it was of uncle Jerry, of Frank, of um, Let me see, my dad and all of the people, all the friars. And when they uh, shut the uh, the friars, I don't know what happened to all those photographs, which is really, uh, really a shame. But it was such a beautiful thing, a beautiful place to go to. And actually, uh, we had our wedding reception there after John and I got married. This is over 33 years
0: ago. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about that. How did you decide on having your reception at the Friars Club? And who was there? Was it just family and friends? Did you have some of the uh, famous friars attend the reception oh, as well? Yeah,
1: we, we had so many people there. It was, it was funny. The, um, when I went to, because it was, let me see. So we were on the 17th we got married, but we, we met on a blind date on Valentine's Day. All right, so that was the 14th. Now the thing is we couldn't get the Friars Club on the 14th because there were other things that were happening, maybe because they were having a Valentine's Day parties or something. So they said, no, we can only do it on the 17th. So I went to the church and I talked to the, you know, to the priest, and he said, okay, yeah, let's do it on the 17th. And so we got married on the 17th. My dad was there. He came and he wasn't feeling very well. So we were at the church and he showed up. And uh, it was really quite fantastic that everybody showed up. And Dad wasn't feeling that well, so he didn't really come to the reception after.
0: Right. But he was Didn't he chair. come straight from the hospital, out of yes, his hospital bed? Yes,
1: he did. And it was just, you know, and for me, my eyes just lit up. I mean, it was just amazing. And so at the Friars Club, the reception was so beautiful. There was an ice statue you know, right in the middle where everybody was, and we had all the shrimp and, and the trees were beautiful. The whole place was just gorgeous and the dance floor. And, uh, you know, the people who got up and spoke for me, we had a great band and it was just a fabulous reception. And that's one of the last times actually that we had, uh, we had been to the friars club. Uh, I don't know. Cause I was busy, you know, working and going, uh, all different places, but, uh, I've been a friar for a long time now. And, uh, I, I don't really know exactly what happened with my dad. I can't remember right now when they became friars. But that's where all the roasts began. That's all right. I, yeah, the roast began there. And I, all, those, all those people, you know, uh, Tommy Dreeson and, you know, Don Rickles. And when I, I think I roasted Jerry Lewis in New York at the Hilton. They didn't, it was going to be too big the friars club wasn't big enough for jerry lewis's um uh, roast and so i was the one who uh roasted him there and it was hysterical who was there it was um let me see who sat next to me i think it was scorsese and uh i mean it was just an again all the cast of la law or it was just an incredible night and i was able to sing to my uncle, Jerry Lewis on that night. And he was so embarrassed because, you know, they get a little blue. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> those, those roasts. And, uh, you know, it's so Jerry was a little bit embarrassed and he wasn't feeling well um, either at, you know, that day, but we had uh, so much fun. So I have a lot of memories of going to the friars club and, and going to the roasts and, uh, and just being in uh, in New York and having, I think it was just last year. Um, I got my own chair there. It's with Dina Martin on it. So it was, you know, really kind of fun.
0: Uh, next time I'm there, I'll make it a point to sit in your chair. Now, okay. yeah. <laughs> I know Dina. I sit in her chair. It's the only chair I'll sit in at the Friars. Now, your father was honored by the Friars Club on at least three different occasions. In 1955, he was honored, along with Jerry Lewis, with a testimonial. From show business and public life, here in New York's Governor Harriman, they turn out to do honor to Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. It's the annual dinner of the Friars in New York, and only one woman shares the dais, Marilyn Monroe, seated with Eddie Fisher. The boys are honored for their efforts in behalf of the Muscular Dystrophy Association, their favorite charity. From Milton Berle, master of ceremonies for the dinner, the Friars own Oscars, symbolic of top performances on and off stage. The testimonial leaves Dean and Jerry speechless. Speechless? Well, they can still read. Let's listen in.
1: It's hard to believe, but here we oui. are. And more thrilled, more thrilled ah. than we oui. can ever tell you. There isn't really too much we can say. Hey. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, really Jerry. sorry. There, all. there really isn't too much. too much we can say that we accept. can say accept, we are eternally grateful, grateful we shall always remember this tribute we will try to live up to what is expected of us we will we'll write, write speeches, speeches together, together from now on. now on Right, and we, we thank, thank you from the bottom, bottom of our heart. hearts please. that's enough of the speeches yeah. In
0: 1959 he was honored by the Friars Club may I state It's been great And the kind of evening Few
1: people rate I've been flattered
0: But I have to agree Mr. Wonderful That's me And again in 1984, he was honored at the Waldorf Astoria.
1: Dean Martin, king of the celebrity roasters, was roasted himself last night by some of the biggest names in the business. The Friars Club honored him as its man of the year. Dean and I talked just before the big dinner. I asked him what this evening meant to him. It's really something. It's, it's an honor and it's a real pleasure because of all the other, you know, people they had, you know? uh jimmy stewart you name all the big stars and then to include me See, I, did, I never realized that i would be a man of the year
0: i still don't know why
1: have you asked them no i'm not gonna ask they may turn it down
0: <laughs> now obviously you were young uh, for the ones in the 50s but did you uh, get to attend any of these testimonials that they held for your father with the friars
1: no, you know what? I didn't. And probably in the 80s, then I was probably out working and then I was too young uh, before. But he gave me this medal, this absolutely gold. I'll have to show you a, a picture of it. It's absolutely beautiful. And whenever I wear it, people go, oh, what is that? And then, you know, they turn it over and they see, uh, you know, how it was inscribed in the back. But I did not go to any of those. You know, I went to a lot of things that my dad did, but none at the Friars. And I'm very, very sorry about that.
0: Now, you got to know uh, Jerry Lewis, of course, over the years. Uh, Your father and Jerry Lewis uh, were famously uh, probably the greatest uh, comedy team that there ever was and were the hottest act in the 40s and the 50s. Uh, But you were very young, I know, when your father and Jerry Lewis split up. So how did you get to know Jerry Lewis uh, when you were an adult? I don't think we've ever talked about this.
1: Well, you know what? I was, um, in fact, uh, Martin and Lewis were playing in Los Angeles. I think it's Slapsy maxies when I was born in New York. So, uh, Martin and Lewis—they were in L.A. and I was in New York, uh, being born. So I didn't really even see my dad for a couple of weeks. So I met them both at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I mean, it, it was it was a very very cute, but. Jerry has been in my life all my life, because even when they had split up, and that was in uh, I think fifty six, July twenty fourth, actually, if if my memory is is what I hope it is, uh, <laughs> because I think they started together July twenty fourth, nineteen forty six, and then they ended in fifty six. Ten of the most incredible years, and you know, but. After that, you know, my dad didn't really want to see Jerry. He, You know, had, had it up to here. My dad was always sweet and kind to everybody. But when he'd had it up to here, he'd had it up to here, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then he would just walk away from, from that. He didn't, you know, get mad or, you know, crazy or anything. But I stayed in touch with Jerry uh, because I would always watch the MDA telethon because that was something that we did when I was a very little girl from the very first telethon and we would watch the tote board and they would raise millions of dollars. And of course, Jerry kept uh, doing it, the MDA telethon. And I was, let me see, I'm trying to think if I was writing the book before. When I was going to write a book about my dad, memories are made of this, Dean Martin through his daughter's eyes. I said, you know what, I have to call, you know, Jerry, my uncle Jerry and talk to him because he knows, can you imagine all the stories that he knows? And so I called him, and he said, of course, Dina, come on down to my boat. It was, his boat was called the Samantha, after his beautiful wife. And we went down to San Diego, John and I, and we're walking down on the pier, and I hear this man go, lady. So, I, okay, it's got to be Jerry. So he comes around the corner, he's wearing his shorts, you know, and, and uh, he came over, he hugged me, and he put his hands on either side of my cheek, and he started crying. He said, I see my partner. And it was really quite something for me. So we get onto the boat and we're having a very nice time and I'm interviewing him and we started singing the song. He was playing um, some music, I think, that Vinnie Falcone had had played time after time. And so I started singing it and so we started singing it together. He said, you know what, you should come on the MDA Telethon and we'll sing that song together. I said, that would be great. And he said, it would be Martin and Lewis together again. And so, you know, from then on, of course, we were just, you know, really good pals. We'd go to to Las Vegas, to his place there. And, uh, you know, and he and John became very good friends. And and I think that uh, Jerry Lewis would call John and say, how's Dina doing all the time? Make sure that I was okay. Really kind of sweet.
0: Yeah, so much love for your father that was always evident. And I had heard, and you might be able to verify this, that, you know, obviously they reunited famously on the muscular dystrophy telethon in the 1970s. I think that was 1976. Uh, But I had heard that they had actually, on a few occasions, gotten together before then. I heard that. Uh, Jerry did a bit with your father on the Dean Martin show that Greg Garrison ended up scrapping for one reason or another. I'd heard they uh-huh. had appeared together on stage at one point. Is there any truth to those uh, legends that they uh, had reunited?
1: Well, that one, you know, that one, I don't remember, but I I, I believe, and in fact, I was there in, uh, oh, gosh, where was it was in, was it in Reno? It might have been in Reno at the resorts, and uh, it was... I think it was Jerry's birthday, and my dad came on and said hi to him, which was really quite uh, astonishing because they hadn't uh, spoken in so many years. But when um, now, and no one told me about dad going on. You know, the uncle Frank was going to take my father onto the uh, MDA telethon. Dad did not tell anyone, and it was it was kind of funny because I'm sitting there watching the telethon, and all of a sudden, you know, I see. Frank Sinatra walk out and say, you know, uh, Jerry, I've got a friend who really likes what you do here. And in the distance, I see my dad walking. And, you know, I know the way he walks. I said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he's coming on to the, the telethon. And then that great line was when they uh, hugged each other. I think Jerry said, so you've been working? <laughs> you know, dad had the number one TV show at that time, like for ten years. So it was, you know, I mean, it was it was like they had never uh, ever parted. So that was that was great. But when my uh, brother, Captain Dean Paul Martin, passed away, Jerry came to the funeral at the Veterans uh, Memorial on Wilshire Boulevard in uh, in West LA, and he didn't come into he didn't come sit in the front. He stayed in the back because he said, I said, well, why didn't you come up and sit with us? He said, I didn't want to make it about me. I wanted to make it about your brother. And he said, and it was just a sign of respect. And so I told dad later, because we went over to, um, you know, to have food after, after the, uh, the funeral. And I was talking to him and I said, you know, Jerry was there. He said, what do you mean? He didn't come by and say hi. I said, no, he didn't want to make it about himself. And then he told Mort Minor, you know, his agent, he said, get Jerry on the phone. And he went in and he spoke to him for a, a, a good hour. And that was pretty amazing to me. So but just the fact that Jerry said, you know, I didn't want to come up and make it. I didn't want to make it about me, which was very, 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 uh, very, very nice.
0: Now, uh, you mentioned your father's television work, and uh, a major component of that in the uh, 70s and all the way into the 80s was the Dean Martin Celebrity Roasts that aired on NBC. Uh, Now, did you get to attend any of those roasts? They sort of have helped preserve the Friars Club, I think, in the minds for a lot of people, even though they weren't... Friars' roasts, they certainly followed the model of the Friars' Club roasts, and a lot of the Friars appeared on those roasts. What was it like going to the tapings if you did get to go in Burbank and uh, later in Las Vegas?
1: Yes, I went to a couple in, in Burbank, of course, for the, for the TV show, because we would go down there every Sunday to watch Dad record or we were, you know, to, to do the shows, or, you know, I was on it, you know, many times. Right. Uh, you know, but so we would sit there because it was hysterical. To hear these guys, and those had to be clean, if <laughs> uh, yes. you know what I mean, you know, kind of, but n- not like at the Friars Club, but all the people who were in that show, it was just uh, amazing, and to sit there and watch, you know, who is it, uh, Foster Brooks, when you're watching Foster Brooks on the uh, the Dean Martin show, the, those roasts, the Dean Martin roast, he was so funny, and it just, he made my dad laugh so hard, he would just... He would cry. He was, you know, he's laughing so hard he would cry, because Foster would play such a a, a, a drunk, you know, and, and he didn't drink or anything like that. And so, you know, he made my dad just laugh. He just couldn't couldn't believe it. But all the people who were on the roast, when I think about, you know, the one with Angie Dickinson and uh, Ruth Buzzy, who I'm still in touch with, both of them. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Angie is a very good friend, and Ruth Buzzy. And, you know, and Tommy Dreesen and, and all the people who would go on on my dad's show. And let's see.
0: Um, Billy just, Crystal.
1: Yes, that's right. That's right. Well, all of them, you know, were just so funny. And my dad never even really knew who they were roasting, you know, that night. And they would tell him before and he had his lines. But, you know, my dad was so easy with that. He never rehearsed for his TV show. I, t- I told you, I think I told you the story about, um, let me see, I think Jerry had had a TV show and Frank Sinatra had had a TV show and they didn't work. Right. And NBC asked my dad to do a TV show. He said, no, I don't want to do a TV show. And they said, well, just come down and meet us. So the night before he was going down to meet them for, you know, I I guess at MCA where it was his um, agent. And he says, now tomorrow I'm going to tell them, first of all, I don't want to do a TV show. Second of all, I want $33 million if I'm going to do it. And then I don't want to come in. I don't want to rehearse. And, in fact, I will only come in on the day of the show, which I want it to be on Sunday after I play golf. So he comes home that night, and he says, they said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I thought for sure they wouldn't say okay. But since, you know, he said, okay, I'll, I'll do it if you do this. And, you know, it was on a handshake. And it became the number one TV show, but he did not go in during the week. He had his songs on a cassette player, so he knew what songs he was going to do. He didn't know any of the skits or all this stuff, but he would go play golf in the day and he would listen to the cassette, so he'd learn his songs. And he would come in on Sunday after uh, after he played golf and he would run through the um, the cue cards and he would go out and sing with uh, Nelson Riddle and the band. Uh, no, it was, uh, oh gosh, um, Les Brown and the Band of Renown. Right. He would record the songs, everybody would sing. And then he'd go through the cue cards and he'd watch a run through and he would do it and he was unbelievable. And he would put on his tuxedo, go out there and he he was just remarkable. He could dance with uh, Sid Charisse or sing with Ella Fitzgerald or, you know, do the things with Dom DeLuise and the skits. He was just brilliant. How he could just pick it up so, so quickly. And it was just amazing.
0: So why do you think the television show worked for your father, aside from the fact that he was supremely talented and very entertaining, why do you think it worked for your father where it didn't necessarily work as well for Frank Sinatra when he did his variety shows over the years or Jerry Lewis when he did that 90-minute saturday night talk show for abc uh, where they renovated what became the hollywood palace for him what what, what do you think well, made the dean martin show work for dean martin
1: i think that he was so laid back and so cool and so funny and it's like everybody liked him he was like uh, you know oh you know that's my uncle you know that's everybody liked dean martin now the thing is and i've heard this through all the years they say, you know what if we had seen Dean Martin walking down the street, we would feel okay to walk up and say, you know, Mr. Martin, I think you're fantastic. Whereas they would not go up and say that to Frank Sinatra. They'd be afraid of what you know Frank would do. But there was such an easy way about my dad. And he um, I remember him teaching me. He said, Dean, and he taught all of us, all of the kids. He said, treat people the way you want to be treated and you'll be fine in life. And he says, you know, and, and if you, when you're working and you're, you're doing it, never be late. Always be on time. Your time is no more important than anybody else's. He said, we're all in this together. So there was this. He was just so kind and sweet, and you know, people just adored him. And I think that's what what showed that you know he kept the mistakes in. If he would sing a wrong note, he'd go, oh, you know. I just saw him um, with Laney Kazan the other night we were watching him and he was so funny and the the people just had the best time with him or with Florence Henderson. You know, when they both they took a pratfall and she broke her foot, you know, in the rehearsal. Right. The whole, and he would keep things in. And so, you know, he he let everybody know you can make mistakes and it's still OK. And I think that's one of the uh, the great things about my dad. But that beautiful voice. He had that gorgeous voice, and he was just so funny. And um, everybody just loved him. But his show was really good. He had great choreographers, and he had you know, a great orchestra. But there was just something about Dad. Even Andy Williams would say, God, you know, Dean, you're unbelievable. And Andy Williams is fantastic. And he had a very good show. But now nah, he wasn't as relaxed and, and as loose as my dad.
0: Yeah, your father just had that devil-may-care attitude. It really, I think, was the secret sauce of the show. And, I mean, you had everybody. I think Tommy Toon was the choreographer on the show yes,
1: for a while there. Un- unbelievable. And, um, and Lee Hale, who was the music director, and Lee Hale was unbelievable. And he wrote a, a fabulous book behind the scenes, right. you know, Dean Martin. And But what he would do is, because Dad didn't come in to rehearse during the week, <laughs> Lee had a sign on his chest that said, Dean. So he would stand in for dad. And so he would dance with Sid Charisse or he would, uh, you know, sing with the uh, Tom Jones or whatever it was. It was Lee Hale, <clears throat> excuse me, Lee Hale, who did it. And so everybody got to rehearse pretending it was with Dean so that when they went in and dad just, he could just come in there and he's singing with Ella Fitzgerald or the Mills brothers who he adored, but everything was set up for him. But he could just come in and, and do it. He was amazing. I,
0: I always thought your father was great whenever he was on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And I never got to ask you this. Were, were your father and Johnny friends? And did you ever get to meet Johnny over the years?
1: Oh, yes. I met I met Johnny because Johnny was uh, they were all at NBC. So the, the Tonight Show was just around the corner, you know, it seems. And and Johnny came to a dad's show, to, you know, to say hi and we would watch you know the tonight show with johnny carson all the time that was that was quite something yeah no they were they were friends but my dad you know here's the thing with with my dad he didn't hang out with uh, with people he liked to get up early in the morning and go play golf and then he'd be home for dinner we all have dinner together and then he would uh maybe he would go up he would watch a little tv and then he'd go up to bed if he was if he was rehearsing for if he was doing a movie He would take his script up and he would read his lines and he but and here's the funny thing about my dad he would have a script and every page he wasn't uh, every scene he wasn't in he would tear it out of his uh, the script and he only had his lines and where he was because he didn't want to carry around a heavy script so he knew what he was doing when he was making the movies and uh, I'm still to this day and I think I've told you this before I'm still upset he wasn't nominated for an Academy Award as Best Supporting Actor for Rio Bravo. He was unbelievable in that. Oh, he certainly could have been. Yeah, he could have been. I mean, and he, and he, but you know what? I think, first of all, he never did PR on himself. He had a PR person, Warren Count, but he wasn't someone who would call Warren and say, "Get, get me in the papers, you know, do this, do that. Dad didn't want to until one day he called Warren County said, "Okay, I, I I need you to put something in the paper." And, and Warren says, "Well, what?" He said, "I got a hole in one when I was playing ball. <laughs> that was more important to my dad than having you know everything with the movies and all of that." Which you know, it was kind of cute. It's it's so uh, humbling. He was he was great.
0: He was a down to earth guy, as you wrote in your book. He's a, he was a man's man, and uh, I think that's true to this day uh, among men who are fans of your fathers. I. I'm uh, a big fan, uh, obviously, of uh, the, the classic television, as y- you well know. And one of yeah. your many television appearances uh, was on the Joey Bishop show, opposite Joey Bishop and Regis Philbin, who were both friars. How did you wind up on uh, Joey Bishop's show, and what do you remember about uh, working with Joey and Regis? Was this the handiwork of Jack Gilardi back in the day?
1: It was Jack Chilardi and I had my record had just I'm trying to think what uh, the record when he remembers me or Girl of the Month Club. And so, uh, Jack, you're
0: so good. (laughs) (laughs) And he ended up marrying Annette Funicello.
1: That's exactly right. That's right. And um, so he booked me on that show. And that's when and the other two people who were on that show that night, it was Salt and Pepper. It was Peter Lawford and Sammy Davis, Jr., because they had a knack called Salt and Pepper. Right. And I thought, right? And, then, and so Regis was Joy Bishop's uh, Ed McMahon. And that's how it was pretty amazing to be on that show at that time with Peter Lawford, Sammy Davis Jr., Regis Philbin, and Joy Bishop. And me,
0: <laughs> of course. And then you were on the dating game years later with Steve Martin. You're uh, you've you've worked with the best, Dina. That's uh... yes,
1: I have. I can't believe I actually picked him. You know that was that was great. I had no idea, but he was the funniest. And I thought, well, you know what? Well, we'll go on a blind date. We went to Portofino, Italy. It was the dating game. He was very funny, and you know we had a good time, and we had a nice chaperone, so it was uh, it was good. And then you know one of my favorites was uh, the monkeys
0: oh right and uh, you dated yeah. davy jones i remember davy
1: jones that's right we were like the same size <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, didn't you say you were playing football with him once uh when you were uh living i guess that was in beverly hills on mountain drive
1: yes he he came over we had a we had a date and you know he had like the same sense of humor as my dad which is why they got along but in those days um you know we were wearing um Well, you know, boots, of course, he would always have on little boots and uh, bell-bottom jeans. And he came in and we had a fabulous time. And all of us, the Martins, we would all go out in the back and play touch football. And so I said, do you want to come out with us? And he said, sure. So he took off his boots and then his pants were too long. So he rolled them up and we went out and we played touch football and had a a fantastic time. He was a a great guy. He's, um, you know, the last time I saw him, the last time I sang for him, was in uh, at the Arcata Theater in Chicago. Uh, Ron O'Nesti uh, had hired uh, had hired him to do a show, and Ron called me. He said, "You know, it'd be a great surprise if you came out and sang a song to him." He said, "We'll show the you know because we're going to have a big screen. We'll show when you were on the Monkey Show and the scene where you're in the restaurant where the little stars come in your eyes, and uh, and then you come out and you sing a song to him. It'll be a big surprise." I said, I would love to do that. So it got to the part in the show, and uh, they said, well, okay. I think there's going to be a surprise for you, one of the uh, people said to uh, to Davey. And so down came the screen, and then I was up there. And as they were showing that little cut from the monkey show, I walked out, and everybody started to applaud. And I sang Everybody Loves Somebody to him. How and about then that? Uh, and everybody was crying and, and screaming. And then he sang a Secret Love to me. And we had the you know best time that night, and you know John and and we just had a, a great time. And then he uh, passed away not long after that, which was really uh, pretty amazing. It was on the horse, right? He was. Uh, he I think you're up.
0: right. Yeah, he was. He was working, at, yeah. I think, at the ranch or something, and he had some kind of yeah. a, a yes. health incident yeah. or something. I don't know if it was with his heart or uh, or something like that, but uh, a, a terrible <laughs> he, loss.
1: Yes, because he was he was fabulous and what a nice guy.
0: Now, before I let you go, I I found out something about you that I was amazed to read. As much as I admire your father and Frank Sinatra and all these great entertainers, I was stunned to find out that you visited Disneyland as a child with none other than Walt Disney himself. Now, how did that happen that you got to go and spend the day at Disneyland with Walt Disney?
1: Well, I think it was opening day.
0: Oh, was it really opening day?
1: I I believe it was opening day because it was the first time any of us had had gone to Disneyland. It was quite something. I was small. Well, you know, I was nine. Oh, was I nine? I'm trying to think how old I was. Maybe I wasn't even that old. But we went to Disneyland, and I couldn't believe that Walt Disney leans over and says, Hi, it's nice to meet you. I'm Walt. I said, I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was Pretty amazing, and to go through all of the—I uh, was too small to go on some of the uh, some of the rides. I couldn't drive the cars, you know. I wasn't tall enough. And but we had the best time. But how amazing it was for me and you know and my family to be there opening day with Walt Disney at Disneyland. Quite something.
0: Uh, that's amazing, and there's great footage on YouTube of the telecast of uh, your uncle Frank. And uh, Frank Sinatra Jr. in one of the little cars with uh, Art Linkletter talking to them from the side. And Sammy Davis Jr. is driving one of the cars around it. That's astounding uh, that you're a part of that history. And as much a part of the history of the Friars Club. And before we go, Dina, uh, the last question I'd like to ask you as we conclude is, why do you think that the Friars Club uh, remains uh, something of an object of fascination for so many people, both inside and outside of the show business?
1: Well... First of all, it's an amazing place to be. There's humor and there's uh, the people who went there, the people before me, the people after me. It's, you walk in there and you feel, you, you get this, um, like chills. You know, for me, I would get chills, but it has such a history that people want to go. People love to be around greatness. And the people who were in this at the Friars Club were great. But everybody—it wasn't just show business. It was, you know, doctors and lawyers and uh, a lot of, you know, co- you know, some of my favorite comedians. But it was everyday uh, people who became members there because it's just, well, you know, when you when you walk in there, you just kind of feel it, and to go up those stairs and to see all the photographs in the dining room. So when you sit in my chair and you look up at uh, those fabulous photos, and through the years I've gone and shows that i would do there and just so much from the people i've met there as i say doctors and lawyers and and uh, you know just everyday people it was uh, quite something and they just loved first of all everybody loved dean martin which oh, is course. really such a such a nice thing everybody did and i still to this day uh, i'll meet someone and they say oh my grandmother said that you know dean martin was her boyfriend I said he was everybody's (laughs) boyfriend. I can just I I hear these little you know women say, "Oh, he's Dean Martin. I'm going to marry him one day." You know, it's cute. You know, when uh, kids growing up. So I can't tell you how many people have said, "Oh yeah, no, he, she was going to marry him," you know, years ago. Yes, of course she (laughs) was. You know, really, they dream big. That's something my dad always taught me, was to always dream big, and he said dreams do come true, and they have for me.
0: Well, they have for me because I've uh, had the opportunity to befriend you over the years. And uh, really, I, I can't tell you what an honor it is to be talking to you on this uh, Friars Club podcast right now, Dina. So uh, I can't thank you and John and Rosario enough for all, all that you do for me because you, you really are a great friend, Dina. And uh, I, I, yes. I, I love you very much. You're, you're, you're the best.
1: I love you, Joe. And this was fun. And you're always a fantastic interviewer.
0: Oh, yeah, now you're very kind. From the from that day I sang with you all those years ago, Dina, till now, it's uh, <laughs> it's it never ceases to be a thrill for me just to have the opportunity to talk with you.
1: <laughs> nice, and we will do it again.
0: Uh, yes, indeed, we will, Dina. my um, love to John and to Rosario and everybody else.
1: All right, my dear, love you, Dina. Love
0: talk- <laughs> I love you too. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Friars Club Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information on the Friars Club, please visit FriarsClub.com. We hope to see you there.